This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. Hey everybody, it's Don LaGreca with the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. Now usually Monday means EJ Raddick, but we just weren't able to get on the same page with the schedule. So we are going to try again on Wednesday with EJ. All right, there's a lot to go over, but before we get to the games, I just want to get this off my chest. I think everybody was floored on Friday with the news that NBC is going to dissolve NBC Sportsnet and what that means for hockey. But I'm going to spin it in a positive. Okay, I, I, first of all, I don't even know exactly what NBC is doing because NBC Sportsnet is the second highest rated cable network. It's only beaten by ESPN. It beats ESPN2, it beats FS1, it beats CBS Sports Network. But for whatever reason, whether it's trying to get more eyeballs to Peacock or whatever, it's going away. And hockey fans seem to be in a bit of a panic. I'm going to tell you why you don't panic. I mean, first of all, if you're a diehard hockey fan and you have the capability both financially and with DirecTV or with any of the other aspects of cable that you have, get the Center Ice package. It's fabulous. All right. They got all the games there. Now, I, I can't spend your money. All right. And obviously, there are people that have direct TV, you know, don't have direct TV or don't have access to it or whatever. It's it's not like it's the NFL Sunday ticket where it's only for direct TV. But I do understand that there's some it's pricey. OK, and not everybody can afford it. Not everybody can get it. So I understand that. But if you can do yourself a favor and get the package, if you're a diehard hockey fan, all the games are there for you. OK, that's number one. Number two is they're going to move all the NHL games that are not going to be on over-the-air NBC to USA Network, which is actually good news for a lot of hockey fans because do you realize that USA Network is in 6 million more homes than NBC Sportsnet? So there's actually a chance there could be more eyeballs at USA. Now, I realize it doesn't have the whole cachet of being on a sports network and being moved to USA Network, which is kind of known for you know playing old 80s movies. But hey, hockey back in the early 80s was on USA. Hockey fans don't care as long as it ends up on somewhere where they can see it, and there's a possibility of six million more homes getting USA than NBC Sportsnet, all right? And also, we're getting to the end of the contract, which is going to open the door for possibly ESPN to join. Now, I listen, full disclosure, I work at ESPN. I have no inside information. My guess would be that ESPN would not be into having all of the the games the way that NBC did. My feeling is NBC wants to stay in for over the air where they can air the the Sunday afternoon games. They can air some of the postseason games, including uh, five of the Stanley Cup final games and have the Winter Classic and the outdoor games on NBC and where ESPN could possibly be the cable network, which then opens up ESPN2 and a lot of other outlets. Hockey's not going anywhere, okay? But right now we're in a pandemic. Money is being lost for sure. And for whatever reason, NBC feels that this is an important thing to do. But from a hockey fan standpoint, I don't think it's the end of the world. And in some ways, it might be better for people because there are 6 million people out there that have cable that do not have access to NBC Sportsnet but do have access to USA. And all the games will be available for the postseason. And we are getting to the idea now where things are starting to end up on apps. ESPN Plus that does not have a contract with the NHL still has aired games on ESPN Plus. Um, you're, even if the games get dumped to the Peacock Network, we're starting to see that that is becoming a reality in sports where things are not going to be as available over the air or in cable. It might be available in apps. So let's pump the brakes as far as panic there is concerned. The other big deal, and we'll talk more about this with EJ on Wednesday, the big Columbus deal with Winnipeg. 
very rarely do you see a deal that both sides win. And now, I, I've always said, and EJ has always said, and any anybody that we ever had as a guest, s- centers are better than wings, okay? So the fact that Dubois goes to Winnipeg that is laden with centers, I don't think there's a team in the league that has better centers right now than the Winnipeg Jets. But he was disgruntled. He was not going to play in Winnipeg. They trade him away to line A. They get Dubois. Dubois fits in nice with Columbus. Okay, he gets away from John Tortorella. It'll be interesting to see what the relationship is between line A and Tortorella. I can see Torts ripping into line A the second that he doesn't try to block a shot. But, hey, he's out of um, he's out of Winnipeg where he wanted to be out. So Dubois wanted out of Columbus. So you had two disgruntled players who wanted out. I think what you're going to see from uh, from Dubois, Dubois in Winnipeg is going to be on a winning team that's got a bunch of centers. He's going to love it there. And I think Line A is going to enjoy being in that market in Columbus, and I think both sides win. I feel great for Roslovic. He's a kid from Columbus. He gets to play for his hometown team, grew up a Blue Jackets fan. It's really a win-win. So I think both sides did a terrific job here of getting the job done. Very seldom do you have two disgruntled players and you're able to make a deal work. So I thought both general managers did a great job. I think Shevel Dayoff did a tremendous job. Kikarainen did a great job. And I think both teams can tip their cap and say they got the job done for their respective teams. And we'll see how it ends up working out at the end of the day as far as where everybody stands. You've got the whole quarantine situation for Line A, uh, for, excuse me, Dubois going to uh, Winnipeg. Winnipeg had a really tough loss last night. They were literally Point seven seconds away from a point. They had one four in a row, but give Edmonton credit. They were the better team last night, but Winnipeg came that close to earning a point as they lost that game in regulation on the dry side of goal. Same thing happened to the Rangers last night as Gensel scores with a minute and 31 seconds left. The Rangers that close to earning a point, and there's a little bit of panic on Broadway. I'm looking at the tweets, which we'll get to in a little bit. Is David Quinn in any kind of trouble? So much expectation around this team. One three and one start, blowing leads back to back games against Pittsburgh. Here's the thing about the Rangers. There were money in the postseason there were money on the road last year, and they were money with leads. Okay? And in back to back games, they blew a three one lead late in the second period on Friday. They blew the one goal lead up uh, two to one in the third period last night. They just never did that last year, so that's a bit of a problem. But here's what I'll say. All right, in defense of David Quinn. It's it's difficult because I don't know if this team's making the playoffs right now. Looking at the first five games, it doesn't appear that that would be the case. But it's still very early. There's still 51 games left, and they got a couple of back-to-back games here against Buffalo, and we'll see if the Rangers can put a little bit of a dent in the deficit that they're in sitting in last place in the Eastern Division. But this is the third year, all right? The first year he took over for, for AV, the team was a disaster, and clearly they improved. And they were, at times, one of the best teams in the league last year. Now, they weren't going to make the playoffs because of the slow start, but at least they had a shot to do it, and they were playing fabulous hockey before the pandemic hit on March 11th here in the States. Now, what hurts... Quinn is the fact that then they come back, they get into the postseason as a qualifier and get swept by Carolina and now have one win in their first five the next year. But we're in a pandemic, okay? He's incorporating young players. They've got seven players in their lineup that are under the age of 22. Now, hey, you got to win games, right? And I don't know what the situation will be if the Rangers finish in last place and take a huge step back, even in a pandemic. That might be difficult for Quinn to recover from. And also, there's always that specter of, 
of J.D. John Davidson didn't hire Quinn. So those are some strikes against David, but I think he's a fabulous coach. I think he's got a lot of things he has to work through, including trying to figure out his goaltending situation. Now, I called the game last night, and I had a chance to listen to the postgame show, and Larry Brooks from the New York Post asked a fabulous question. Is... Are these goaltenders going through the loss of Henrik Lundqvist, realizing there's no safety net anymore? When Hank was here, you know there was that feeling of, well, we've got the veteran. If we falter, this guy's going to be here for us. He's now gone. And now the reins are being held by Shesterkin and Georgiev, and both of them don't have a lot of experience. Now, I don't know if that's the reason, but I thought it was a good question by Larry. Uh, David did not dismiss it out of hand because I think he understood the leadership that Hank brought to both of these goaltenders. But hey, he's gone, all right? He's not playing for the Rangers anymore. And these two have to battle for who's going to be the number one. And outside of Georgiev doing a great job and that one win the Rangers have, the 5 nothing victory over the Islanders last Saturday, the goaltending has not been great. And Shesterkin let up a couple of real stinkers. The McCann goal uh, at the far wing where he just never saw it. All right, it deflected off of Howden, but certainly a makeable save. And the defensive coverage was poor on the Gensel goal. But, you know, what? he got over, but he still gets beat five-hole with the stick there. So... Those were two goals I'm sure Sesterkin wanted to have back that cost him the game. So the goaltending has to be better as well. So I know there's going to be a lot of finger-pointing uh, at David Quinn, and that's what happens when you get off to a slow start. But it's early. There's a lot of adversity this team is trying to overcome. And the goaltending, quite frankly, just has to be better. And also, the veterans have to be better. Where has Panarin been? Where has Kreider been? Where has Zabanajad been? Now, Zabanajad swears up and down him having COVID has nothing to do with a slow start. But maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But the fact is, we can talk all we want about Lafreniere not scoring. We can talk all we want about Heedle now being hurt as he's listed his day-to-day. We could talk about how young this team is. But the veterans have to step up and play better. That's the biggest problem, okay? Lafreniere is going to figure it out. He's played five games in the NHL. I think Andre Miller has been terrific. I think Adam Fox is becoming a star. But we remember last year we talked about this. Panarin and Zabanajad were out of their minds and it still was not enough for this team to make the playoffs. So other guys are going to have to step up, including Zabadajad and Panarin. I don't know if we should really be finger-pointing at the coach at this particular moment. Um, let's um, take a look at some of the other games. We had a, a slew of games, only one tonight, Ottawa and Vancouver. Uh, that's been a pet peeve of mine while we get like 12 games one night and just one the next, but that's kind of where we are right now in the pandemic world. Uh, another postponement is Carolina again trying to get over the um, the the protocol. That game tonight has been postponed. They're hoping to get the Thursday game going, so we'll see if that happens. But, you know, COVID still being a little bit of an issue in the National Hockey League. Dallas and Carolina are going to have a slew of games to have to make up here down the stretch, and you wonder if that's going to affect the schedule at all. Um, just a couple of observations before we go to your tweets um i thought you know chicago that was a nice win for them six to two over the detroit red wings so a good there um puce Suter gets the hat trick for chicago as some of the younger players 
getting a chance to shine there. Devils with a 2 nothing win over the Islanders. Give New Jersey credit. They've lost exactly just one game in uh, regulation, and that was when at the last minute Blackwood couldn't go because of the COVID situation. But Wedgwood has actually been pretty good. Um, not bad against the Islanders the first time out, and then he pitches the shutout, making 28 saves last night. So New Jersey off to a pretty good start. Fabulous win for Buffalo against Washington in the shootout. Washington's only losses have come in the shootout as Buffalo leapfrogs over the Rangers. Great game between Toronto and Calgary as Toronto holds on for the 3-2 to win. Vegas just continues to march along a one nothing victory in this one over Arizona. They've only really played Arizona, but they're still undefeated. Carlson scores late uh, to get a win there. We saw a couple of late goals. Gensel scores with a minute and 31 seconds left. That game was headed to overtime. Carlson scores with 43 seconds left. That game was headed to overtime. And, of course, the dry sidle goal with .7 seconds to go as Edmonton beats Winnipeg. So there was a couple of late ones there. Uh, Los Angeles continues to impress as well with a 6-3 win over the St. Louis Blues. Sharks hang in, beat Minnesota 5-3. to uh, A lot of questions right now around Colorado. Uh, they're not off to the start that many people thought that they would be off to. Now, they haven't been bad. They're 3-3, three and three, but everybody, including myself, had this team pegged to win a championship, and, and so far, not really gaining very much traction there as they've just been 500, and I think very, very average to start the season. So those are the games that we've seen over the last couple of days uh, in the National Hockey League. And I think it's been fun. Uh, it's so difficult to kind of figure out who's good and who's bad. Like, I'll give you a perfect example. Right now, it looks like the best team in the NHL is Montreal, right? They are 4-0-2. They've got 10 points, tied with Toronto atop uh, the North Division. Um, they are plus 11 goal differential, which is, um, just taking a quick look here, is the best in the National Hockey League. But... You know, when you're playing the same teams, like they had three consecutive games against Vancouver. You know, and Vancouver right now is a two and five team. All right, they they opened up against Toronto, played a couple of games against Edmonton, they're off to a bit of a slow start. So, is Minnesota great, or did they get a chance to play Edmonton when they were down three straight games against Vancouver? Now, the fact is that all of the games that Montreal has played has been on the road. And with the exception of the one game in Toronto, everything has been out of the West Coast. So this team's going to be coming home soon. They're going to be taking on Calgary, but Montreal's off to a great start. But when you're only playing a handful of teams, you're catching teams at the right time, and it's become like a baseball schedule. You're playing the same team in the same building for two, three consecutive games. We're going to see situations this year where a team is going to play uh, four consecutive games against another team. So is it you're good? Is it the fact that you're catching a team at a bad time, a good time? It's really going to be difficult here early on to find out who's good and who's bad. But Montreal showed in the bubble last year that they were coming up. Things are starting to come together for them. Corey Parry comes off the taxi squad and scored a big goal for them on Saturday. So there's a lot of good things happening there in Montreal. I think Washington, the same thing, 3-0-3. They've overcome the ridiculousness of four of their best players on COVID protocol with, with Kuznetsov and Orloff and Ovechkin and Samsonov, but they're finding a way to be able to get by. Trying to figure out the Islanders right now. I have them pegged as one of the best teams in their division, off to a very 
average start at 3-2-0. and You know, win one, lose one kind of deal. Big win over the Devils, but then turn around and get shut out the next time against the Devils. You saw it with the Rangers, shut them out 4 nothing, get shut out 5 nothing. They did have that one nothing victory over Boston wedged in there. So kind of uh, very up and down, too, trying to figure out all these teams. And then there sits Dallas, only two games that they've played, but they won them both, both against Nashville, one of them 8 to nothing. So their goal differentials are plus 8, which is not bad for only playing two games. So we're kind of up in the air right now, trying to figure this all out. And I think it's going to take a little time to figure out. But I will say to the teams off to a very slow start, like the Rangers, um, you got to get the act together quick because with a 56-game schedule, you get five, six games in, that's 10% of your schedule. And a memo to the Rangers, it's not going to get any easier. You still have eight games with Philadelphia. You still have eight games with Boston. You still have six more games against Pittsburgh. That Islander team that you're going to play six more times is going to be fierce. Seven more games against New Jersey that looks better than we thought. Eight games against Buffalo, that team might be better than we thought. They haven't played Washington yet. They haven't lost a game in regulation, so it's not going to get any easier. All right, let's hear from you. At Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct is the way to get in touch with me. Let's start with Chris, who says, line A to Columbus doesn't seem to make sense to me. Columbus isn't deep at center and don't see him fitting in Tortorella's system. Also, I'm not sure he will want to stay after this season. Do you agree? Well, I understand the apprehension, okay? But here's where I'll say, you understand you're not working with a lot of leverage, okay? So, you're, you're getting a disgruntled player for a disgruntled player. But I will tell you this about Line A. Columbus has really struggled since the loss of Panarin. They have not had anybody that dynamic in the history of this organization outside of Nash and Panarin. Line A can be that good. I understand he's a winger, not a center. But Dubois was not going to play for you anyway. This is a guy that can score 50 goals in this league. And they have not had that in a long time. So if they can convince him to stay. And listen, Line's got to be careful here, all right? He worked his way out of Winnipeg. If he's not happy in Columbus, then, you know, what is he just going to bounce around the league until he finds the perfect fit? So I think Line's got his hat in his hand right now. He wanted this deal. We'll see if Tortorella is going to be a problem for him. But here's what I'll say about Line. If, you know, if Columbus ends up missing the playoffs, I mean, what is the future of John Tortorella? His shelf life is usually pretty short in places, right? I mean, he he does a great job whenever he goes someplace and seems to get the most out of players, but then there's not much toothpaste left in the tube, and then he gets fired. So Line could end up outlasting Tortorella, but you know, let's not make it seem like Tortorella can't work with stars either. I mean, he he won a Stanley Cup with uh, um, Le Cavalier and St. Louis. All right, I listen. He had his problems with Gabrick with the Rangers, but they had some success there. So I wouldn't freak out about just automatically not working. But what exactly was the leverage that uh, that Columbus had? They needed to make a deal, and they get themselves a world-class player. Ari says, what's going on with Tony D'Angelo? Also, Lindgren looks like he took a huge step forward this offseason, and Keandre Miller looks really, really good so far. Absolutely. Lindgren, I think, is a stud outside of that little bit of the mistake and the own goal that he had on Friday night. He's been great. I think Miller you got to be impressed. The guy's a monster, right? But he can skate. Think about that skill set, right? 6'5", and he's able to move agile, um, a big stick reach, which is important for a defenseman. Looks like he's got a pretty decent shot. Gotta love what Miller's done. Gotta love what Lingren's done. Gotta love what Fox has done. I mean, listen, the Rangers are in a bit of trouble here as far as the start is concerned, but there's no question their future uh, really looks terrific. 
and I think that they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. It just might not be right away. Um, Farrow says the same thing. I'm be- am I being overly optimistic, or does the Andre Miller look really comfortable? Very comfortable. I mean, I call the last couple of games against Pittsburgh, and when I'm doing play-by-play, it's kind of hard for me to kind of see the entire ice because I'm following the puck to call the game. But Miller's name comes up constantly for a young kid that really the only experience he had in the NHL before this year was being in the camp back in July, and that might have gone a long way for him to adjust. Because remember, you know all these young kids didn't have much of a training camp, no preseason games. So that's the other thing, too, trying to figure out who's good and who's bad. Not only are the same teams playing each other over and over, but uh, th- this almost is like uh, you play like four or five preseason games, right? So almost like the first five games kind of feel like a, a feeling out process. Lucas says, hey, Don, what are some pros and cons you think will come with the NHL and ESPN decide to come to an agreement? There's no cons. Uh, here's what I'll say about ESPN possibly getting back to the hockey game and, and, and why I don't think it's smart to completely disassociate the relationship with NBC is – Give NBC credit. They air every game. I mean, there's a game almost every night on NBC Sportsnet, really. And and the ratings have actually been pretty good. So ESPN's not going to do that. I mean, ESPN's not going to have wall-to-wall hockey when they have so many other relationships with college uh, basketball and football, uh, with the relationship they have with the NBA. Um, ESPN, too, I think is going to be very important, more so than probably ESPN is concerned. Um, so maybe that's one of the cons that you may not get the exposure that NBC was willing to give you. Um, we'll see if ESPN is going to be as willing to air the Canadian teams the way NBC was. But here's what I envision, though, is that if NBC keeps it over the air, we're in the Stanley Cup final, you can have five games on NBC and two games on ESPN. That That's not bad. Tommy says, hey, Don, who has the hardest name to pronounce in the New East Division? Also, I tried to set you up with the correct pronunciation of the Black Oaks goalie, uh, number 60, last week, but you still went with Dalia instead of Dalia. All right, well, I, I don't know. I, I worry about it when i got to call the game, but uh, don't worry. You didn't mess me up. Or if you did mess me up, but I don't care. I think we know who we were talking about here. Most difficult name to pronounce in the Eastern Division. Well, I've only called the Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh didn't have any issues uh, with pronunciations or concern. Uh, Kuznetsov has been in the league long enough, so I really have any problems with that. Islanders don't have anybody. Uh, Devils have a couple of guys, but uh, nothing jumps to mind right now. I'd have to think about that one. I'm not really sure. Let's see. Go through the rest of the division. Boston, nobody um, jumps out as being that difficult uh, a name to pronounce. What else? What else? What else? Who am I missing? Philadelphia? No. Gostaspera. I figured that out a while ago. It's it's interesting. Like There are guys that come into the league, and you're like, oh, my God, this looks like an alphabet soup. And then you call enough games, and then it just comes out easily. A quick story. When I first started at Sports Phone, one of my first days was during the U.S. Open, and I had to pronounce Goran Ivanisevic, which flows if you, if you listen now. Um, but at the time, I just couldn't spit it out. Um, but over time, you get to do it. Um, there was a player for the Blackhawks and the Minnesota Wild for a while, uh, Sergei Kravitz-Off. That was a difficult one, but as you can tell, it flows now because I've been able to do it for so long. Um, but uh, I'm not really sure that there's anybody in the East. What other teams? Uh, I guess it'll take a little while for me to be able to get it all together uh, for you to um, think about the East. 
kind of go over the names in my head. David says, with the news NBC Sportsnet is shutting down at the end of the year, what's your take on games being pushed to uh, the USA Network and likely forcing fans to Peacock streaming? I could have sworn the NHL's NBC deal expires after 2020. Do you see them going elsewhere or staying at NBC. Well, like I said, if anywhere, it's going to, I think ESPN is going to get back into it, and I think NBC is going to keep it. I uh, wouldn't get too crazy about the USA Network again because they've got six million, they're in more, six million more homes than NBC Sportsnet. Ryan says, Don, I'm getting sick and tired of hearing fans complain about David Quinn, especially on Twitter, and how he should be fired. How is he not using his players correctly, or so on and so on? I was wondering if you're feeling the same way. Uh, you heard me defend him. Now, the one thing that David does is he switches things up, right? You saw D'Angelo get benched. I was not in favor of keeping the same lineup after the win against the Islanders because it kept D'Angelo out for a second consecutive game, and he owned the Devils, and that was a little bit of a problem there. Um, he benched Jack Johnson, which a lot of the fans wanted to see, getting Smith back into the lineup, and I thought that was good. Hey, you lose games in this league, no matter what the sport, they are going to always blame the coach. That's just the way that it works, especially when the coach has no pedigree in the NHL, especially when the coach is on his way to a third consecutive year of not making the playoffs. That turns out to be the case here, but I wouldn't get crazy. Uh, Scott says, are the Devils a playoff team after yesterday's win? Well, first of all, we've got to figure out the goaltending situation. Is Blackwood this good? And and I think he is. I was having this conversation off the air with Dave Maloney when I was calling the game last night, and he thinks Blackwood is a really good player. And if he's a legit goaltender, that solves a major problem going into this year. Jack Hughes, who scored last night his third goal, he's been money. And now he's looking like the player that the Devils had drafted first overall. You're getting Heashier back, right? You're getting Brat back. It's possible. Now, it's going to be tough in that division, like I said. Only four of the eight teams are going to make the playoffs. And right now, the way things look, you say, okay, Sabres aren't going to make it, Rangers aren't going to make it, but there's still going to be two other teams that aren't going to make it. All right, I was down on Pittsburgh to start the year. Well, all of a sudden, they've won four in a row. Now, all four have come by one goal, and three of them either came in the in overtime or the shootout, but still, they've won four in a row. Washington's yet to lose in regulation. Boston is the defending President's Trophy champions from last year, okay? The Islanders went to the conference final last year, and even though they're kind of off to a slow start, that's what's going to make it very difficult, all right? It's a surprise start. It's great, but is it sustainable? We're going to have to wait and see. All right, Mark says, kind of two-part question. What team has surprised you in the early going of the season, and what team has disappointed you? Well, Montreal is a surprise. I thought they'd be better. I thought they'd be a playoff team. I didn't think they'd be this good, all right? The Devils obviously have to be a bit of a surprise, the way that they've kind of jumped out and looked really well uh, so far. Minnesota has been a bit of a surprise to me as far as how good they have been. Now, the disappointments, all right? Um, Vancouver, remember, they, they made a splash in the postseason last year. Holpe really has not been that grave an addition for them, at least early on. Now, is it because they've had to play Montreal so many times? I don't know. We've had that conversation before. I'm though disappointed in what Vancouver uh, has done. A little bit disappointed as well in Arizona. I thought they'd be a little bit better, although not crazy. I mean, they've got five points, but they're standing at the uh, the bottom of the West, which is a major problem. Am I disappointed in Colorado? Listen, it's six games. They're 500. They still got a plus three goal differential. I'm not going to get crazy, but I am a little disappointed that here we're talking about Vegas winning five of their uh, first six games with a plus-seven goal differential, and Colorado, who I thought would be a better team, is a little bit behind. But, I, again, it's a little too early to freak out. 
All right, let's see. A lot of Devils stuff that we talked about, a lot of Rangers stuff we talked about. Robert says, do the players hear the fake crowd noise, or is it just threaded for TV and radio audiences? Do you think the game would be better if they eliminated it so the sounds from the ice could be easier to hear? Well, they do hear it. Um, It probably makes things feel normal for them, but believe me, it's not obscuring the sounds. It's not. I, I think I still hear them clearly. Uh, I brought it up on the podcast last week that there was there was a fight in the Ranger Islander game, and I could hear the players banging their sticks on the boards clear as day. You hear the communication between the players. You can you can really understand what they're saying sometimes uh, more so than you would with a crowd. So I don't think it's interfering with it at all. They do hear it. it. It it adds a little bit of normalcy, I think, to the players who are going through so many things that are abnormal. So I would not get rid of it. Uh, uh, Tony Terrific says, what do you think is the goal for Montreal if they're in to come on a trade lead line? Do uh, go for a deal to make a run or hold still? Hmm. Here's what I'll say about them going for it. I think they have to. I, I really do. I mean, the, Carey Price isn't getting any uh, younger. And by the way, congratulations to him on career victory number 350. I think he's the sixth or seventh youngest goaltender to do it, but still, he's getting up there. I think they want to try to win for him. It's been a long time for Montreal. It really has. They did go to the conference final in 2014, but they haven't won a cup since 1993. You wonder where where, where Bergevin stands as general manager, where Julian stands as head coach if this team were not to make the playoffs or to fall apart. I think if they've got a chance to go for it in a division that I think is very competitive and they've been on top of it, uh, I, I can't say that they wouldn't be they would be wrong to not take advantage of it at the deadline if they can do it, and I think they will have an appetite to do it because it's been a long time and it's been a rough few uh, decades for that franchise, considering how many Stanley Cups they won before 1993. All right, so here's the situation: we're going to be back with you again on Wednesday. We're going to talk to EJ Raddick then. If you want to get in touch with me at Don Lagreca, hashtag Game Misconduct is the best way to do that. So enjoy the hockey. There's one game tonight. It's at 10 o'clock. Do what you can. We'll have a full slate of games coming up on Tuesday, the recap on Wednesday. Want to get in touch with me? The best way to do that is at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. Enjoy your Tuesday. We'll be back with you on Wednesday. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.